You're listening to episode 67 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Well, in today's episode, I've got a list of the top books I think every Christian should read. And this episode is really kicking off a special summer series in which I'll be interacting with publicists from major Christian publishing houses to talk about new books that are coming out this summer, books that may have just recently come out, and what are some of their favorite books. I hope this gives us all a lot of books to pick up for those summer vacations and the time off. And maybe along the way, we'll find some new authors that become our favorites as well. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. This summer, I've got a special series of podcasts I'll be releasing called Summer Reading. Today's episode is the first in that series, and I'm going to describe 16 books that I think every Christian should read. But in the coming months of summer, I've lined up publicists from several Christian publishers to come on the podcast and talk about their favorite reads, about new releases from their company, and books they think that you should be paying attention to. One of the greatest joys in life is finding a really, really good book, and that doesn't happen nearly as often as I would like for it to. But every once in a while, you come across a book, and there's something about it, usually it only takes 10 or 15 pages, and you just know this book is going to impact your life. There's something about this book that stands out. Honestly, so much of my reading is just me searching for that, for those books. And to be fair, there's some reading you do just because you're trying to learn something about a particular topic. But every once in a while, you find one of those books that really means something to you for years to come. So the real challenge that I'm after is always figuring out what to read next. What's the next book I should be reading? That's actually not an easy question to answer. What's selling isn't always the right answer. Some books sell because the author has a big audience or they manage to capture a moment or a topic. But I've always been fascinated by books that manage to outlast those moments of attention, books that become classic or become important to readers across generations. I've also noticed that I'm not the only person who's struggling to find those great books. I get asked all the time what I'm currently reading and what books I would recommend for this or that topic. So for the last few months, I decided I was going to keep track of those recommendations and think about some of the books that have meant most to me. I've been keeping a list of them across several subjects that I often give out recommendations for. Some are old classics, some are more recent books, but this list represents books I think every Christian would do well by reading. And let me also add one more note. I think that men should pay particularly close attention to this list of books. There's this unfortunate idea that permeates publishing that men are hard to sell books to because men don't read. That idea is so pervasive that something about it obviously must be true, but it shouldn't be. Beyond a long faithfulness to corporate worship, books have been one of the most important ways that I've grown as a Christian and as a man. But there's also a risk in me producing a list of reading like this. I've tried to produce a list every Christian can read. That's to say that these aren't 900-page philosophical or theological textbooks. But neither are these books simple steps for life application. The goal here is not just to cross them off or to get further in life by having drained them of their secrets. These are books that deserve the time and attention to shape your life. I love the way G.K. Chesterton put it. There is a great deal of difference between an eager man who wants to read a book and the tired man who wants a book to read. I want these books to be for those of us who are tired. This list represents some of my best friends. None of them have I ever met personally, but I have spent so many hours with some of them that I can recognize their written voice. 
These are the friends that I come back to when I'm drained, when I'm tired, and when I'm trying to find my way in following Christ. Take your time with these books. Those of you who struggle with reading and read slow, I'm one of them. I read very slow. Take heart. You're probably best prepared to enjoy these books because these are books best understood with time and patience and attention. So let's get started. I've listed them in a rough chronological order by topics and when I think they're important. So let's start number one. In the topic of faith, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. It's hard to overstate Lewis's influence, which seems to only grow with time, and I realize that by starting here, it almost seems like a cliche and probably sets a tone for your expectations about the other books that are going to show up on this list, but still, I think Lewis deserves this spot, if for no other reason than to hopefully develop your taste for all the other great books that Lewis has written. Take, for example, this quote from Lewis's chapter in Mere Christianity on Pride. It may be one of the most important chapters of any book that I've ever read. Lewis writes, As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Book number two, on the topic of growth, The Disciplines of Grace by Jerry Bridges. You may have heard the phrase before, preach the gospel to yourself every day. If so, you're hearing the words of Jerry Bridges in his book, The Disciplines of Grace. I read Bridges as a wise grandfather figure in my life. His work is foundational for having helped me recognize that the gospel is not something that saves us and that we then move on from into disciplines, but real discipleship, real discipline is a deepening of our evaluation for and our love of the gospel. Bridges' attention for holiness is a word deeply needed today. He writes, Undoubtedly, one of the reasons God allows us to fall before temptation so often is to teach us experientially that we really are dependent on him to enable us to grow in holiness. Number three, commitment. A long obedience in the same direction by Eugene Peterson. Okay, I've seriously considered adding a bell to the podcast and ringing it every time someone mentions Eugene Peterson's name. Just so you know, I'm not unaware of its frequency. It's just about every episode at this point. But I'll also defend the validity of it. No other writer has impacted me more than Peterson. Honestly, I'd like to recommend all of his books and probably could have made a 16-book list with just his, but I think this one is a good starting place. Peterson's writing speaks for itself, wise, artful, and prophetic. He writes, There is a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship and what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Number four, reflection. The Pursuit of God and the Pursuit of Man by A.W. Tozer. Now, technically that's two books, but it took me way too long to realize that the famous The Pursuit of God was written alongside its prequel, The Pursuit of Man. In fact, it's actually a part of a three-volume spiritual classic set, which also includes Knowledge of the Holy. Tozer's writing is a constant reminder that God is something too big for us to possess. It's something we are in on and constantly discovering more of. The Pursuit of God and The Pursuit of Man are classics that everyone deserves the time to read. Take this example. The believing man does not claim to understand. He falls to his needs and whispers God. The man of earth kneels also, but not to worship. He kneels to examine, to search, to find the cause and the how of things. Number five, On Calling, The Call by Oz Guinness. 
Our conversations about calling and purpose need more than what we're currently getting. I watch so many people struggle under the weight and confusion of what they imagine to be their call. Too often it appears more like a curse. Guinness grounds the conversation of calling in God, and he does it in a way deeper than we typically do. It should be standard reading for anyone in their 20s, and for most of us who are still stumbling our way through it well into middle age, and some who have just given up along the way. Guinness will prove to be a faithful guide in understanding your call. As he points out, calling is not only a matter of being and doing what we are, but also of becoming what we are not yet, but are called by God to be. Number six, on career. Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. There are two Keller books on this list, and like Eugene Peterson, I hope to inspire you to read several other of their books. Prodigal God is one of my favorite of Keller's. Every Good Endeavor focuses on a topic Keller has thought deeply about during his time in New York City. As the book is subtitled, Keller explores how our careers, our work, is connected to God's work in this world. He writes, A job is a vocation only if someone else calls you to do it for them rather than for yourself. And so our work can be a calling only if it is reimagined as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interests. Thinking of work mainly as a means of self-fulfillment and self-realization slowly crushes a person. Our second Keller book on the topic of marriage, The Meaning of Marriage, by Tim and Kathy Keller. As a pastor, I love the privilege of officiating weddings. I get the honor of talking about marriage with a lot of new couples, and I always recommend this book. It is practical, theological, and honest. In fact, Tim's wife, Kathy, joins him as one of the collaborating authors on this one. It's worth a read no matter if you're thinking about marriage, engaged in planning for marriage, or have been married for decades. To offer you a quote from the book, quote, Only with time do we really learn who the other person is and come to love the person for him or herself, and not just for the feelings and experiences they give us. Number eight, friendship, known by Dick Foth. Dick Foth is a part of my denominational fellowship, and I've had the privilege of hearing him speak many times. I think that listening to him speak has probably shaped my appreciation for his writing. And listening to him speak always reveals how important and deep friendships are in his life. I've always found the way he talks about friendship deeply appealing. I want friendships like he describes, and his book, Known, will cultivate that same desire within you. Take his advice. If you ask the question, what can I do for you? You will always have work, you will always have friends, and your life will always have meaning. Number nine, Sabbath, The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. At this point in the list, having covered friendship, marriage, work, calling, discipleship, you need a book on rest, and you need to learn to take your hands off the work and be still. I think books on Sabbath are an important part of every reading list, and I think Buchanan's book is a good place to start. Honestly, I try to read a book on Sabbath at least once a year. Sabbath is the practice that seems to evade me most easily, so I need the constant reminder. Buchanan reminds us, In a culture where busyness is a fetish and stillness is laziness, rest is sloth. But without rest, we miss the rest of God, the rest he invites us to enter more fully so that we might know him more deeply. Be still and know that I am God. Some knowing is never pursued, only received. Number 10, Prayer. Prayer by Richard Foster. Foster is probably best known for his book on the spiritual disciplines. It's entitled Celebration of the Disciplines, but I love his book on prayer as well. 
I'm not sure this is a book you should sit down and read cover to cover, for sure not in one night. It might serve you best to keep on the nightstand and read a chapter a week. Foster covers a wide range of prayers common to the Christian life, and it's a reminder, as the introduction points out, that there are no formulas or secrets to prayer. Prayer is a long apprenticeship and one that you can learn well from Foster. Foster explains, simple prayer involves ordinary people bringing ordinary concerns to a loving and compassionate Father. There is no pretense in simple prayer. We do not pretend to be more holy, more pure, more saintly than we actually are. We do not try to conceal our conflicting and contradictory motives from God or ourselves. And in this posture, we pour out our heart to the God who is greater than our heart and who knows all things. Number 11, Joy. God is the Gospel by John Piper. The outcome of all of our reading and growing should ultimately be a joy and an appreciation of God. Few people have opened my eyes to the sheer gift of enjoying God more than John Piper. As Piper often puts it, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Piper continually encourages me to hold on to the goodness of God, to enjoy everything that God is. His passion for that enjoyment is contagious. Just listen to his words. The ultimate good of the gospel is seeing and savoring the beauty and value of God. God's wrath and our sin obstruct that vision and that pleasure. You can't see and savor God as supremely satisfying while you are full of rebellion against him and he is full of wrath against you. The removal of his wrath and this rebellion is what the gospel is for. The ultimate aim of the gospel is the display of God's glory and the removal of every obstacle to our seeing it and savoring it as our highest treasure. Number 12, Discipline. Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald. I meet so many young men who are filled with passion and ideals, but struggle to order their personal life in any way capable of living out those passions. I think this book is helpful for anyone who's attempting to bring more discipline into their life. MacDonald writes, Are we going to order our inner worlds, our hearts, so that they will radiate influence into the outer world? Or will we neglect our private worlds and thus permit the outer influences to shape us? This is the choice we must make every day of our lives. Number 13, on character. Back to Virtue by Peter Kreeft. Back to Virtue is not the easiest read on this list, but I feel so strongly about its message that I want to include it. Kreeft points out that we have abandoned conversations about virtue and collapsed a rich history of virtues into simply being nice. We are in desperate need of re-engaging the classic virtues, he argues. Take your time with this one, because I think it's an important topic to consider. Kreeft writes, For the wise men of old, the cardinal problem of human life was how to conform the soul to objective reality, and the solution was wisdom, self-discipline, and virtue. For the modern, the cardinal problem is how to conform reality to the wishes of man, and the solution is a technique. Number 14. Courage. Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Martyr, Prophet, Spy by Eric Metaxas. Metaxas's book on Bonhoeffer is the lone biography that I've included in this list. I love biographies, but I think some of the best are those that capture something of our personal situations, personalities, and concerns. For instance, I love David McAuliffe's biography on John Adams. This biography on Bonhoeffer constantly challenges my courage. Every Christian should know his story well, and Metaxas offers a compelling and approachable telling of Bonhoeffer's story. 
I think the audio version of this one is a great way to experience the book, but however you choose to go about it, don't miss the important message of courage that comes through. Metaxas writes, A major theme for Bonhoeffer was that every Christian must be fully human by bringing God into his whole life, not merely into some spiritual realm. To be an ethereal figure who merely talks about God, but somehow refuses to get his hands dirty in the real world in which God has placed him, was bad theology. Number 15. For Devotions, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Chambers might be the most famous devotional, and I think there's good reason. I find it to be continually insightful and thought-provoking. I have the book, I have a copy on my computer, and I have an app on my phone. I've even devoted a whole episode of this podcast to the book. I have several devotionals, but I find myself continually coming back to Chambers. Take this daily reminder as an example. Beware of any work for God which enables you to evade concentration on him. A great many Christian workers worship their work. And finally, number 16. On culture, amusing ourselves to death by Neil Postman. This is my only, quote, non-Christian book, but it's been one of the most important books in helping me see through and think more deeply about culture. Culture can be like air. It surrounds us, but it's hard to describe it and understand what it is. We just make assumptions about it. Postman will get you thinking about how our culture works and the impacts that it has on how you think. If you're looking for a more current alternative, I really enjoyed Alan Noble's book, Disruptive Witness, and I think there's some strong overlaps with Postman's work. But go read Postman and see if it doesn't change the way you watch the nightly news. Postman writes, for instance, Americans no longer talk to each other, they entertain each other. They do not exchange ideas, they exchange images. They do not argue with propositions, they argue with good looks, celebrities, and commercials. Well, there it is. 16 books that I think every Christian would do well to read. That's obviously an incomplete list, but it's at least a start, with many more recommendations hopefully to come this summer in conversation. But I want to hear from you as well. Post a comment on Facebook or Twitter and let me know what have been the most influential books for you as a Christian growing and trying to walk the Christian life. As always, you can find show notes for today's episode by going to pastorwriter.com slash 67. There you'll be able to find a complete list of these books as well as links to purchase them. You might also consider picking some of them up on Audible. If you're a pastor, writer, listener, I'm now able to offer a free trial of audible.com, which gives you a one-time download of any Audible book for free. You can take advantage of that opportunity by going to audibletrial.com slash pastorwriter, audibletrial.com slash pastorwriter. It's a great way to help support the show and also for you to get something out of it. So those of you who take advantage, I really appreciate it. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.